Pastor James Dean Manning, welcome once again to The Herd Mentality. I wish I had never cut off my breast. I wish I had never mutilated my flesh. I wish I'd never cut off my penis. I wish I had never done that. I was just young. Well, this is awkward. N normally this bit of the show is reserved for making fun of idiots. I've had dozens of people send me that link about Dr. inverted commas, James D. Manning talking about Justin Bieber cutting his breasts off, and I, I came so close to deciding to manipulate it. But then something really important came across my desk. There's a time and a place for laughing at idiots, and that's just not right now. So I'll let you in on a little bit of backstory that most of you are probably aware of. You, the Herd Mentalists, raised a total of about 19000 US dollars to help Iman on episodes 40, 41, 67 and 68. And since then, I'm regularly approached by people with some really awful situations, and almost all of whom I'm unable to dedicate time to assisting. It's pretty taxing. So for Iman's fundraiser, I was only contacted by about two or three people seeking verification that the cause was legitimate. My response to them was pretty much, it's good enough for me, and that in turn was good enough for them. For humanitarian issues, I'm usually prepared to trust my gut once I've seen the whites of their eyes. Now, a couple of days ago, Brian from Alaska got in touch. The audio is going to follow this, and I've only edited for audio quality, not content. One final point. I asked Brian to email me through copies of the legal documentation and plane tickets, and he was more than happy to oblige in very short order. So I'll say this now loud and clear. I'm convinced that his cause is legit. As for the allegations within, that's for the legal system to investigate. My motivations are as simple as this. Scenarios like what you're about to hear can put families to the wall financially. My position is to do my best to prevent that from happening, therefore ensuring that people like Brian and Iman can recover go on to pay tax for a long time to come, be productive members of society and the atheist community. I've already transferred the income from this episode to that cause, so the Patreon supporters have already made a solid contribution. The link to the Indiegogo campaign is in the show notes, or it can be found at herdmentalitypodcast.com and click the episode's link at the top. Now, I couldn't finish this up without thanking the newest supporters, Jeff, Carl, and Chris. You guys, along with the other 100 Herd Mentalists at patreon.com slash herdmentality, make it possible for me to do the things like what you're all about to hear. And my very sincere thanks to all of you for that. By the way, I'm long overdue for sending out hand-drawn cows and silly Ray Comfort voicemail messages. I haven't forgotten, and I'll be prioritizing that next week instead of producing a show. You guys deserve it. Now, let's have a chat with Brian. That's right. All right, well, I'm going to cut all of that because it's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can start over. Welcome to The Herd Mentality, an eclectic weekly mix of atheistic, humanistic and scientific conversations with complete strangers. I've never met them and they've never met me, but we're throwing caution to the wind, taking a risk with a dodgy internet connection, and God willing, entertain you with some scintillating repartee. I'm your host, Questionable Adam, found on Twitter, Facebook and Google+, and it's time to meet our guests. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Herd Mentality, and... Today, as I've been known to do, I, on occasion I get messages from people who are in a position of need, and in those instances we need to act as quickly as possible to assist, and on the line I have Brian at Atheist Alaskan. Welcome. Hi Adam, thank you. Now, your message was a single tweet to me with a link to an Indiegogo 
campaign. Uh, Brian, what's your synopsis? This is something that's happening with your extended family. Correct, yeah. Um, my eldest daughter was living in Colorado, uh, happily, it seemed, with her uh, long-term boyfriend of, I don't know, five or six years probably, uh, the father of her child. And, you know, we talked to them. My wife talks to her probably every day. And we, uh, uh, one day, uh, my wife comes to me and says that we need to get Kayla, get the girls home. And so we, you know, we got, got things together and bought them plane tickets. You know, she didn't, uh, didn't go into all of the details at that time. So, um, I didn't, I didn't really know. I just knew that they <clears throat> needed to come home. So that's what we did. And, um, uh, found out that, uh, um, he was verbally abusive to our, our daughter, Kayla, and, uh, she suspected him of sexually abusing their three-year-old daughter. So, um, what we did was got him home and got him safe because he's still in Colorado and got, uh, went to court and ended up getting protective orders, um, through the courts in Alaska and through the courts in Colorado. Well, uh, we retained a lawyer, um, in Colorado and in Alaska to represent us on both sides. And, uh, for the Colorado lawyer, uh, the retainer was $7,500. So we raided, you know, our retirement funds and all of that for as much as we could. And we got the retainer together for him. You know, after the first month, he sends us a bill for $3,000. So we, you know, get everything together, take everything else out of the budget and send that to him. And then the next month, he sends us another bill for $10,000 for December. Now there's, there's just no way. And then, you know, this is still ongoing that hasn't been resolved yet. The first time that they actually go to the courtroom is on Monday here the ninth. So. Um, so the bills will start rolling in. Cr well, they're they're already rolling in, and they're going to continue to roll in until we, you know, get this figured out. And you know, they're they're doing their investigation on the police side down in Colorado, and they haven't determined one way or the other yet if they can prove that he did anything. But to me, even the thought or the the idea that he would be doing something like that if if his girlfriend and my my daughter would say that he was doing something like that she must see something have seen something or observed or or just knows something is going on well let's take it back to that when the, okay. the phone call that your wife received from your daughter what took yes. place there the my my wife is just talking like normal. Uh, she says hello and 
then her face just like went ghost white and said yeah whatever you have to do we'll we'll make arrangements and that was that was it you know we she got off the phone we made arrangements they got a ticket and she she came to alaska like two days later so um that that was all the 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 phone call and the the coordination on on that end that it that there really was at at the beginning mm. now when your daughter arrived in Alaska, obviously mm-hmm. conversations took place. What was it that led her to believe that this had been taking place? Well, um, one of the the things was she one night uh, our granddaughter went to our daughter and said, "Mom, I have a secret for you," and she like licked her ear and. She said, where did you get that secret from? And she said, that daddy told me that secret. And she had found, um, like different things, the bed, like the comforter and the, the pillows would be arranged in such a way that it was like she was a baby and he was trying to keep her from rolling off the bed, you know, but she's three. So, she, you know, she doesn't need like pillows to keep her from rolling off the bed. It was like he was trying to, um, keep her in one spot. You know what I mean? Does right. that make any sense? Yeah. She saw this, you know, the same pattern on the bed anytime that she would go and leave our granddaughter with him. It, it, <laughs> um, she, she says she found a pair of our granddaughter's underwear in the bathroom and they had a substance in them that was similar to semen had masturbated with them and into them and um um and that that was i think like days before she decided that that was that was enough mm-hmm. and she just needed to get her and and her daughter away from him Hmm. Has your granddaughter been examined? Um, I I do not know if she's been to to a doctor or or um had a had a physical examination. I know she's been she's talked to the uh, like the uh, psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And she, her reaction to that was neither positive nor negative. Yeah, the as far as the the psychologist could tell so yeah i it's hard to say um what really took place i mean only two people know what what actually happened she's not formed enough to to be able to tell us her side of the story mm-hmm. and and i'm inclined to believe what my daughter says um that what she feels and what she she saw and what she needed to do to get get her daughter away from from him. Hmm. Naturally, a mother's instincts hmm, take precedence, and the right. priority here is the protection of your granddaughter. So, Correct. just just to get us to where we are now at this stage, it's cost you quite a bit of money. 
Right. We're we're at probably uh, seventeen or eighteen thousand dollars between what we owe the lawyer in Colorado, the lawyer here, airfare, and you know storage and shipping for their things that we uh, that we moved from Colorado to here. Hmm. How is the investigation progressing? Um, I I haven't uh, haven't gotten any updates. All of that information goes to my wife, and she filters it for me because uh, she she gives me what I can handle. You know what I mean. And it it's in progress is all I know. They they haven't uh, they were the last I heard they were working on their computer. I I I think that that all turned up negative as as to having any of pictures or videos of of our granddaughter on there. So um, I don't I don't know what the next step in the investigation is if they just dismiss it or or if they're still working on it. Um, the the last I heard they were still working on it though. Mm. What are the legalities involved with your daughter taking her daughter away from the father? Well, well, when she left there, you know, it was just, I'm, I'm leaving. And there was no, there was no court orders. There was no, no, nothing like that. Um, saying that she had to stay in Colorado or restricting her movement or her, her daughter's movement. Since then, he has filed, uh, for custody. And, um, that's one of the other things that she's got to go down. She actually has to fly down there on Monday to go to court. She can't do it telephonically like, you know, like he did to Alaska. He telephonically um, put it, went into the courtroom. And and when they were doing the emergency orders to uh, basically uh, stay away orders for to him from from her. Mm-hmm. But. Evidently, the the judge in Colorado doesn't uh, doesn't want to allow her to do it telephonically. She's going to have to go down there physically, and you know, fly down there, spend a couple of days, go to court, and and then she'll come back. What's the best outcome um, that can come of this? Uh, the best outcome to me would be that she gets 100% custody, and they can stay in Alaska or go back to Colorado whatever she wants to do she and i know she doesn't like it here very much um because she she moved away obviously <laughs> but uh the best case scenario would be for her to get 100% custody and um that he would never be able to see her again it, it, in my opinion because uh he's a he's kind of a scumbag hmm. you know the you don't do that shit to kids, man. It, it's just, uh, it's not right. It's, um, that's full on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that, like I said, that would be the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is they decide on Monday that she's got to go back to Colorado and they do a 50, 50 custody and he's with her half the time or mm-hmm. she's with him half the time. And that uh, that scares the shit out of me. The amount that you've set up your Indiegogo campaign for mm-hmm. is a fraction of the overall costs. Right, it's about half. Mm. You're seeking to raise $10,000 to help pay for these costs. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that basically takes care of most of the Colorado lawyer and would would help us immediately with other other bills. We'd probably send him half of that if we got ten thousand dollars, or you know, we'll probably send him half of whatever we get, and then the other half will be used to to catch up on electric. It's cold in Alaska when we burn heating oil, um, which is basically diesel fuel. Mm-hmm. We have to keep the house heated and electric and, you know, everybody's phones and, you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, half would go to him and half, probably half would go to um, getting us caught back up with the everyday stuff, the bills. So doing an episode of this show, I earn about $300 US. Okay. So what I will do is send that through to you immediately uh, to get some runs on the board for your campaign. You've got 30 days left. Correct, yep. Where can we find the campaign? It's on my Twitter uh, several times today where I was uh, panhandling, um, sending it to uh, my famous atheists that I follow, mm-hmm. including yourself, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Not that famous. Uh, you're pretty famous to me. I've I've listened to uh, what episode am I on? I'm on episode fifty three. So I've listened to a great majority of your shows, and I I love it. I really appreciate what you do. What I'll do yeah. is I'll abbreviate it and put it into the show notes for this episode. So okay. if you're listening on a mobile device, just tap on the silly image of the two cows, and there'll be a little link there to the fundraiser. So we'll get three hundred dollars in the bank to get you started. Brian, I hope it all works out well. Um, I really do. I, I hope so as well. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't take much. A lot of people will hear this, even if it's only a couple of dollars per person. I think we'll be able to get there. That would be amazing, Adam. I I, I don't have have words to to say how much I appreciate that. That um, it would be very very amazing to to be able to to get that get this load off of our shoulders and to be able to uh, to get back to some semblance of, of normalcy. Not a lot keeps me up at night. Uh, yeah. Religion's just sort of one of those things in the back of my head that I think we'd be better off without. But the stuff that does yeah. torture me is the thought of children being abused. Yeah. That makes me sick to the pit of my stomach. Yeah. So let's yeah. do what we can. Brian, I appreciate your time coming on the show. <laughs> We'll be in thank, touch. Thank you, Adam. I, I really appreciate your time. And uh, thank you to, to anyone who, who decides that uh, that we are a worthy cause. <laughs> All the best, Brian. Thank you, Adam. This fall in Australia, not America. Australia is on the opposite side of the world, the, the bottom half of the equator. From the Atheist Experience, Matt Dillahunty, host of The Thinking Atheist, Seth Andrews, genetically engineered for perfection, Aaron Ra. It's the city and I just it all up. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'll edit that out. You had one job. It's fine. I, I was so excited. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to start off in Sydney on the 13th of March, 2015 at 6 p.m. And on March 18th, we'll be in Brisbane at City Hall. I just lost my place. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be in Melbourne on the 21st of March at 6 p.m. All of us on stage really interacting with the audience. It's going to be a great and fun evening. 
This is a, a great opportunity for us to come to Australia, meet people, and, and support local groups, and give presentations. And I'm going to be explaining why the Bible is a chronicle of God's failures. But I also want to hear the interaction about the people in their situation and how religion is affecting Australians. I'll be doing show tunes. I'll have backup dancers and a motorcycle ball of death. So it's going to be a fantastic evening for the whole family. The Unholy Trinity Down Under Tour. Proudly sponsored by the Atheist Foundation of Australia. Tickets available at unholytrinitydownunder.com. And joining me down the line, I have at Carbon Kyle. How are you, sir? Doing great, sir. How are you? Not bad. Now, you've previously appeared on this terrible podcast on episode 47. That is correct. On a slightly more somber note, of yes, course. Yes, we're dealing with loss mm -hmm. uh, in several different aspects, atheists dealing with loss, and then it uh, followed swiftly with Ray Comfort dealing with the loss of a testicle. But that's not why we are here today. You do some carbon comics of a sort. I do at carboncomic.com and also for the American Skeptic magazine. What are they? Well, I'm attempting to tie in topics in skepticism with character-driven humor and use that to kind of get around readers' natural defenses when it comes to talking about some of these things. Humor is a wonderful way to lower people's defenses. Yeah, my philosophy is if they can laugh at something that they take seriously, then they'll take it a little less seriously. And it tends to work. I've gotten some good positive responses from people, and there's no shortage of topics to make fun of. Indeed not. I mean, two million views can't be wrong. Yes, we are hitting the two million views mark this weekend, and uh, things are taking off. We just launched a new Patreon, but trying to support our new artist who recently quit her second job in order to draw daily comics. That's every weekday. So it's a big job. Very exciting. It is. A, it takes a few hours for each one. And I'm thrilled that she's taking it so seriously. So the Skeptics Magazine. Yes. You Michael Shermer's magazine, the TED speaker. I was at the amazing meeting in Las Vegas. My whole intent and attending this giant skepticism conference was to put a press kit into his hands, and I did. And a few months later, I was in the magazine. It's all paid off. This is fantastic news. So <laughs> can we see the comics at carbondating.com? Yes, carboncomic.com oh, is uh, where they're located. And also at Skeptic Magazine or uh, skeptic.com slash carbon-comic as well. Not just in English, however. They're going to be translated for the upcoming issue of the German Der Skeptiker. I'm not a German speaker, but I think that Clearly. means skeptic. <laughs> but that's uh, see, just, just saying that sounds terrifying. How, how oh, would, man, everything sounds so intense in German. How do you think it'll go? Because I've, I'm yet to meet a German with a sense of humor. <laughs> well, just, the, just seeing the words in German alone... Uh, really throws me off. It's it's quite funny. So usually my comic is a comic strip about science, pseudoscience, and geeky relationships. But recently seeing it translated, it just blew my mind. The comics themselves have recurring characters throughout. Uh, brief introduction? Yes, the main character is Rob, who is a budding science writer and journalist. And he's kind of the skeptic, but an immature skeptic. And he is growing into, you know, his role as a science communicator and learning how to talk to his friends without upsetting the dinner party. Mm -hmm. He has a 
romantic interest who is also an engineer and they become an item when they become accidentally knocked up. Oh, right. And then uh, each of their other friends, one is a barista who's into self-help and one is an, an athlete who loves anything performance enhancing. So the idea is that everybody, regardless of who you are, has something that is irrational in your medicine cabinet or that you use every day. It's fun to talk about, kind of bring to light that even the, the most educated skeptic still has something that they're not quite up to speed on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've got now 80 odd episodes in the bank to demonstrate that. <laughs> Following up on the German translation, the science and pseudoscience in German is Wissenschaft and Pseudowissenschaft. And that's all one word? <laughs> no, that's science and pseudoscience, which uh, they just, the words get longer and longer in German. When I went on student exchange, one of the other students there was Austrian. He said that the best thing about German is that there's a word to describe something in every instance, uh, even if it's just a, a conglomeration of several different words that you can keep strapping together and bolting a Z in here and there exactly <laughs> to describe exactly what you want. The translator was having trouble fitting the dialogue into the same balloons because it takes up so much more space. <laughs> so uh, I hope that she did a good job because I can't really tell if it's funny or not. Might have to print it in binary or something. See, I never had any luck translating anything humorous into French. People would I'd, I'd <laughs> retell this joke in front of friends or friends of friends over there and uh, I'd just get blank stares. Look it's at all me. in the rhythm of the language, and I think it's completely different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are there any other projects of yours that you would like to draw attention to? Well, no, Carbon Comic is my main focus. I did recently launch a live science outreach series here in Colorado Springs, and we'll probably be putting those episodes online, but I'm sure you'll be able to find them from the comic website. It can be tough. It can be tough to try to bring scientists out into the public in a way that is not dry and academic. And so that's really what we're shooting for. But it's been successful so far, and hopefully we can keep building on that. Carl, thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. My name's Carrie Poppy. Hi, I'm Steve Colgan. This is Richard Saunders. Hi, George Robb here. I'm Jane Novella. I can tell you what I hate about QED. What I really hate is that it comes to an end each year. QED, for me, is just a wonderful opportunity to, to hear lots of speakers Hearing the crunch of 350 people purposely and simultaneously overdosing on homeopathic pills for the 1023 event was a sound I will never forget. It's simply one of the better skeptical conventions anywhere in the world. And you're, you're asking me what I think of QED. I haven't been to QED. And also, because it's such a, a personable event, to actually meet quite a few of these people for the first time. Because you will meet many, many fun and interesting people. You will see great talks by some of the best thinkers. And you'll also meet people who have a drive and a passion for making the world better by protecting people and not being dicks about it. You know, write down to people who I maybe wouldn't have heard of without QEDCom. I would be an epic guest because I could speak in a flawless British accent. Hello, everyone. Like that. And everyone would be like, who is this English guy? Uh, I, 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 are you inviting me? Because I'd love to go. QED 2015, April the 24th to the 26th in Manchester, England. Twelve main stage speakers, eight panels, three comedians, and 500 friends, and a massive party! 
Tickets are £99 or £69 for students for the weekend, including the Saturday night. www.qedcom.org to get your ticket. Hurry, it's in April! Joining me down the line from different places, I have Jake Far Wharton from Brisbane. Woo! Oh, greetings. How you doing? Oh, man, so well. I've had a nice long run around a lake this morning, punched a few children. <laughs> Excellent. No, I'm good. So, Happy. I mean, that's, that's a prerequisite for coming on the show, isn't it? What, punching children? Yep. Or feeling good? Take your pick. Okay, both. <laughs> <laughs> and as well here to save the show from Jake, we have no illusions from the Scathing Atheist podcast in Podunk, Georgia. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, sir. I'm doing well. Nobody shot my cat in weeks. Yeah, well, now, okay. Tell me, what's the go there? Uh, well, uh, it's kind of a long story. If you want to start off on a depressing note, a uh, little stray cat that I used to feed disappeared a couple months ago, thought the worst. Uh, turns out that, uh, no, he didn't get hit by a car. Some redneck asshole treated him like a Charlie Hebdo cartoonist and shot his ass. Uh, luckily, some, like, nice people took him to a vet, and the vet, uh, on their own dime, did several thousand dollars worth of surgeries. He needed to lose a leg and everything, but he's actually like, uh, back to relatively normal and purring. It's kind of cool though, cause he's, he, he was already polydactyl, so he had little thumbs in the front. Now he's missing a back leg. So all in all, he has 17 toes. Might be the only 17 toed cat in the world. And with the loss of a leg, I guess he averages out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. More or less. More or less. We call him tripod now. <laughs> So, are you going to get said cat back? Um, no, actually, it's um, he. He needs a, a ton of crazy different care now. Um, he's going to need like a series of surgeries. He's got a couple of pellets lodged in his spine. So, uh, one of the vets that took care of him and did the surgeries is actually taking him as uh, her cat now. So, I'll interact with him only through social media from now on. Aww. It's kind of sad. Well, look, just goes to show that. Mm. There's no shortage of terrible, terrible human beings out there. Yeah. Side yeah. note, Tripod was my um, nickname in high school. Of course it was. <laughs> Take a dying cat story and turn it into and a turn third it into a joke. <laughs> well done, Look, sir. Well done. I, I, I have this running club every Saturday morning, and uh, we run around a, a local lake, which is a, a 4K lap, right? And uh, I've headed this running club for the last, oh, I don't know, year and a half. And uh, during this, the, you know, a lot of these people are very conservative. They live in, you know, nice houses and such. And I can make zero dick jokes the entire time. Because I noticed every time I do that, you know, the, the herd thins out a little bit. So uh, I've saved up everything for this moment. And you put it into everything. the podcast. Yeah. Well, I got to say, I mean, when I start off with a story about blowing a load into a pussy, where else are you going to go? So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You see my, you get me, Noah. You get me. And as far as. Unfortunately, as far, I do, sir. <laughs> and as far as segues goes, that is spectacular. Really quickly, is that you typing, Noah? Because I can hear it down the line. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. You know, like I said, I didn't expect you would be um, just using your recording on your end. Uh -huh. So I am on a much more sensitive microphone than I'm used to. So I apologize for that. No, I'll keep stress. typing to a minimum. Well, like, look, I might actually leave that in there because today's topic is how do you make a podcast? You guys need to talk me through this because I'm looking to make a good podcast. And I imagine you get lots and lots of fan Finally. mail. We get... Messages from listeners saying, how do I do it? What should I do? How do I start? Jake, 
where do you start? The beginning is always a great place to start. You know, it's as easy or as hard as you want it to be, basically. If, if you have an idea for a show, jot down a couple of ideas, get a few people together. Many voices are always more entertaining than a single one unless you're ridiculously entertaining by yourself, and few people are. I certainly am not. Um, I did, in fact, try that for a while, and did not work out well. Um, yeah, it, it really is as easy or, or as hard as you want it to be. Once you have the idea for the show, you can have great audio or you can have regular audio. You know, you can use the microphone on your phone to record voice memos and turn that into a podcast. Or you can use the, the microphone in your laptop or computer. You know, that's generally fine. You can use a like a Logitech headset, which is, you know, 30, 40 bucks. Or you can buy a complete microphone mixer macbook pro setup plus pro tools and all of those lovely little software programs that go along with it and you know spend a couple of thousand bucks and have an enduring setup that'll that'll work for you know a couple of years until it breaks and you have to wake up at 2 a.m in the morning to uh, rush to walmart to get a new setup speaking of which noah audio quality thoughts well you know i'll tell you what when it comes to the the equipment in podcasting i look at it like the pots and pans in cooking you know, you do need pots and pans, and yes, ultimately, better pots and pans are going to produce better meals, but ultimately, it's more about the cook. I'm a bit of a minimalist uh, when it comes to equipment. I think most podcasters make fun of my microphone. You know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But I think that there is way too much focus, as I see it, uh, the, the feedback that we get from people who are interested in starting a podcast, there seems to be way too much focus early on on the equipment. I'm with Jake in the sense that you know, you don't need to go out and spend several thousand dollars buying stuff before you really get started. You can get started on, you know, just a, a relatively cheap USB microphone and free software. That's every bit of investment that you need to make. And then, of course, if it turns out to be something that you're really going to get into or if it turns out that you're really getting an audience, you can upgrade as you go. But there's certainly no need to jump in, in and spend ungodly sums of money right away. We can ask our, our, our good friend Cash about how that worked out for him. <laughs> Cash over at Atheists On Air. On that note, for about the first 20-odd episodes of this particular podcast, I used a just a very cheap Logitech headset. And what it would do is record, there was some software available at the time that would record both sides of a Skype call, and it would record it as an MP3. Now, the issue I found with that was, while well, the, the quality was okay initially, you then have to drop that audio into I use a free program called Audacity, which uncompresses the audio. Then you edit it, and then you have to recompress the audio. So you end up with something that is, it's not brilliant, but you can, you can hear it at the very least. And then at that point when I decided, okay, I think this has legs, went out and got myself a little mixing desk and a microphone and a stand and whatnot, and it cost me a few hundred dollars. Start cheap because it, it may not work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get a, get a proof of concept first. You know, once you have your idea, try it out, see whether it works, um, you know, workshop it with a couple of people and, and see whether it's uh, entertaining enough. Like my show itself has gone through several different iterations until I found, you know, a format that I enjoy. On audio quality, like it, it, it's so important. And, and I do much the same thing as you mentioned, Adam, in, in the beginning of your show. I have a Mac. I, I have a program that records all sides of the uh, audio from everyone because, you know, 
with the format of my show, I have many guests and uh, some of them aren't or, you know, don't have professional recording setups. So uh, being able to record all of their audio as well as mine is uh, kind of an imperative. The The software program records all of the audio and, and then I drop it into the editing software that I use, which is GarageBand. It comes free with Mac. Um, I have super expensive software, but uh, I don't use it because it's not at all user-friendly and GarageBand is a piece of cake. Mm. Um, and, and then, you know, the the output, you know, you, you top and tail it, put in recorded, uh, scripted type um, segments, you put in audio, uh, what do you call them, stingers and such, and uh, jingles or whatever you want to call them, and then uh, you uh, you put it out as a compressed MP3. And, and I mean, I, I think my, my podcast ends up sounding pretty nice, you know, pretty clean and clear despite the fact that, you know, I record all, all sections at, through this software program. Mm. And there's little tricks that you can pick up along the way, like asking people to give you 10 to 15 seconds of silence because you can then take a snapshot of that silence using a noise removal algorithm and then apply that across the whole file and that'll remove uh, any background noise that comes through or, or the, the vast majority of it anyway and just really polishes the audio up a little bit but when you have people skyping into your show you're at the mercy of a their internet connection b their the device that they're using to record so when you said earlier jake that using a laptop microphone is okay i've never had a good experience with somebody calling in trying to speak through a laptop mic because the microphone picks up every vibration from the fan and the laptop uh, every keystroke, every click. Ah, uh, yeah. See, there, therein lies the people that have uh, PC laptops. Um, I'll only <laughs> talk to people with uh, with Macs. So uh, the the Macs have a sublime microphone, and uh, they don't have the fan sound. Mm. So I mean that that does it. So that if you're an elitist, it. then that's how you go about <laughs> it. It pays to be an elitist. <laughs> I only talk to people who have Macs. And they must be sipping I lattes. I talk to people berets. regardless of their computer preference. I'm- <laughs> Noah, uh, would doing a couple of pilot episodes and not releasing them be a good idea? Uh, you know, that's what I recommend to everybody, honestly, is, is to do two or three episodes, get an idea of what you want to do, and throw those in the trash. You know, it's, it's just like it's the same advice uh, that, a, that a writer will give you if you want to become a novelist. You know, okay, go write, a, write a novel, go all the way through that, throw that in the trash because it's going to be shit. Um, and ultimately, if you do get, you know, to the point where you're liking your podcast, whatever, and you, you get good at it, Believe me, if you put your very first effort out there, you're going to listen back to it and be embarrassed as hell by it. The other thing is, is what if your show gets popular right away? Do you really want to have your first ever effort at this sitting out as your example of what this show is going to be? Mm, so, I've, no, I've yeah, got, I, I would definitely <laughs> recommend that. I've got 79 episodes of things I'm not proud of prior to this. <laughs> I'm hoping this is the one. This will be the one. But you're exactly right. The first, <laughs> I wasn't happy with this show up until about episode 28. It, it took mm-hmm. me that long to to get the hang of it. Well, so- it's funny that you mentioned that because I've actually got a we, – we have a second show that we're about to debut. It's uh, called The Skeptocrat. It's going to be de- debuting on February 23rd. And the reason we're waiting until February 23rd is that we're going to be recording weekly episodes starting this week – but we're not releasing those until we've, you know, had a little bit of time to work on the format of the show. And this is my my uh, co-host and I, who have been podcasting for two years. We still feel like we need to do a few practice episodes before we go public with it. Now you both do quite different shows. Uh, there's very little scripting that happens over there at the Imaginary Friends Show dot com podcast. <laughs> there's a tremendous amount of scripting actually that uh, that goes into. So I, I put out two shows a week. 
Um, the first show is is a quiz show, and all of the quiz questions are scripted. The second show is a more in-depth news and discussion type show, um, and, and none of that is scripted. But, uh, you know, even f- for, well, for both shows, there's a tremendous amount of uh, riffing, you know, discussing, etc., that goes on, which is all completely unscripted. But uh, certainly, yeah, I mean, I, I spend at least... Oh, maybe five to ten hours a week gathering news stories that are interesting, deep, um, hilarious, weird, etc., enough to uh, put into the quiz show. And then I find uh, four or five subjects that, that need a little bit more or that have a little bit more nuance that need uh, deeper discussion for the news episode each week as well. There is quite a bit of scripting that goes into it, at least sort of uh, a morning a week. Mm. But if we really want to talk scripting, hello, Noah. How yes. are you, sir? <laughs> yes. How much of your yeah. show isn't scripted? Uh, the interviews. I mean, well, the parts of it that the other people are saying, you know, uh, other than that, yeah, basically everything in, in the show is scripted. I, you know, uh, Heath and I go off script from time to time, uh, during our headlines discussions or, or, or something like that. But, but basically, uh, you know, I'd say in the average show, if you take out, you know, if we have an interview in the show, take that out, I'd say probably about 95% of the show is scripted. We spend between Heath and I some, something like 50 to 60 hours a week scripting it. So. Yeah. The amount of time that goes into a podcast, guys, to get it to the standard where I think even just the person producing it is happy with it, I'd throw it out there. One hour for one minute of audio that goes to air, that's what's required. You know, obviously that's going to depend a lot on what kind of show you're putting out. You know, if you're putting out a much longer show that relies on you know, listener calls and stuff like that, then, then I think that that is a, yeah, you know, I think maybe the sort of the shorter the show, the more, you know, hours per minute you're going to put into it. But uh, I think that's probably a good rule of thumb that if you want to put out, well, I don't know. I, I, I think you might be a little high on that. If you want to put out a 60 minute show, I don't think you need to set aside 60 hours a week to do it. I would think that for most podcast formats, you know, it would be significantly lower than that, mm-hmm. that you could put out a quality 60 or a minute show with, Five or six hours invested in it, I think. Oh, okay. You're far more skilled at this than I. I'll <laughs> give you I mean, I, I don't disagree with Noah at all. I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of the news gathering is passive for me because I, I do like to be engaged, you know, in, in social media in well, and certainly in, in, in news and occurrences around the world in subjects that I'm interested in. So mm-hmm. I am constantly reading and, and any time I see a story that is interesting or that I think might fit with the show, I just email it to myself and then towards the end of the week, I compile them into ones that want deeper discussion, you know, for the for the second show each week, uh, and ones that are funny and short enough to be condensed into a quiz type question that that'll fit into the first show. Hmm. So once you've got a pilot or you've got a couple of episodes up your sleeve that you're happy with, what's the next step? Uh, workshop it. Give it to a few people. See what they think. You know, are you aiming for a comedy podcast? If yes, go along with that and and see where. You get some laughs. Uh, if you're going for a news and discussion show, again, sort of uh, ask and see whether it's deep enough. See whether you provoked any thought, etc. But work. I never it. have to ask if it's deep enough. <laughs> <laughs> see, I've always had the exact opposite issue. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Australian problems, hey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Italian problems, really. One of the things uh, people ask is, is time. How long should a podcast run for? And my sort of general answer is human beings have been conditioned to have a 44-minute attention span because 
a one-hour TV show is 44 minutes when you take the ads out. And if you can't say it in 44 minutes, then why? Don't ask your audience to edit. Try and take out as many ums, ahs, all the rest of it. And thank you, Jake. I'm going to have a big job on this one. Uh, <laughs> pull everything out. <laughs> I, I have not eaten yet. I have not eaten. So, uh, yeah, my yeah. apologies. And rule number 27, never accept the excuses of your guests. <laughs> <laughs> You're and totally then right. Get it up on iTunes. That There's a few different ways you can do this. I understand there's a provider called Libsyn. Uh, do you both use that? I use I Libsyn, do, yeah. yeah. And how easy is it to actually get the file published? So easy. You just upload it, it put in the, the, the detail, and it's done. You're right. yeah, it honestly couldn't be any more user-friendly. Okay, so there's a hearty recommendation. The provider I use is called HostGator, but I code everything by hand. So to get the feed, what's called an RSS feed, that's the file that every device who subscribes to you calls back to. In this case, it's called herdmentality.xml. And then whenever you update that file and somebody opens up their phone goes to the podcast, it calls back to my file on the server and says, okay, there's a new episode here. Gosh, I wish I'd known about Libsyn <laughs> 18 months, two years ago. Would have saved me a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, well, well you- no, I was going to say, if that sounds in- intimidating to any of your listeners, I, it, it's worth mentioning that, yeah, there are services where you don't have to do any of that. All of the RSS feed is done for you. You just basically have to fill in a few blanks. What's it cost? Uh, well, there's several different services. I believe they go as low as five a month, don't they? Um, yeah, uh, they do. I think- yeah. So uh, about uh, five bucks a month will get you, I think, something like 200 odd megabytes uh, a month. And that's in upload. Um, it's unlimited download, which means that, you know, you can have as many listeners as, as you like and they can download to their heart's content, but you can only upload something like 200 odd megabytes. Mm-hmm. It's probably a lot less than that. I spend about 30 bucks a month because I, I do put out about uh, 100 megabytes a week. That's perfect for me. But, you know, I, I am, you know, I'd love to do it the way that you do it, Adam. But frankly, I'm, I'm a moron when it comes to that. <laughs> uh, I, I just don't right. have the, I don't have the technical expertise. Just I general. do not have the, at all, the ability to, to do <laughs> what you do there. What would one do to go about promoting their podcast? You know, I, I, podcasts. I was going to say that's the big one right there. I mean, there's still enough, I think, of a meritocracy in podcasting, uh, the way that iTunes works and that some of the other podcast providers work, that just having a high quality show can be all the marketing that you need. But after that, yeah, just jump into the circle jerk of podcast guests. Now, that can be tricky, though, obviously. Uh, it's it's always hard to work around everybody's schedules to get your guests all in the same place at the same time. Isn't that right, Cecil? <laughs> And there you go. I might have to just insert some audio of Cecil there saying, sorry, I couldn't be here. (laughs) I was on vacation. We've all got problems. Sorry, Cecil. Would have loved to have had you here because we all know that Tom would have been dead set hopeless. (laughs) Well, he wouldn't have had. This is the point where Jake drops from the call. Hello? Okay, that's not just me, huh? Oh, okay. (laughs) Have we lost Jake? It appears that way. Stand by. Shame too, because he was just talking about how he puts out a lot, and uh, I want to know more about that. I might just leave that in. Well, I'll tell you what, if you want to give people an idea of what it's really like to podcast, you should leave all of this in. (laughs) Starting, we got on the line, and uh, Jake was saying, I'm going to be about 20 minutes late. Come on, Jake. Probably hasn't even realized that we're not listening to him. He hasn't drawn breath yet. He's still going (laughs) on his point. Um, uh, um, And then, this is how awesome I am. Actually, he can probably hear us just fine. I've been doing push-ups this whole time. <laughs> no, I'm going to have to put this in. Just 
you know, <laughs> make a lot of Appreciate fun. Appreciate the warning. I'll, uh, I'll not say the thing I was about to say then. Can't believe with this crappy computer and uh, shit internet service, it's not my computer that's dropping the call. Oh, we got you back? <laughs> yes. No idea what happened. <laughs> I, I, my Skype's solid. My internet's solid. I, I don't know what happened. All right. Well, Just dropped off. we'll be leaving all of that in the show. So Good. thank you. Yeah, well, it's, it's all topical, isn't it, really? <laughs> so these are the trials and tribulations that take place with the podcast. <laughs> now, guys, curly question, because every podcaster you ask gives you a different answer. How... Do you measure how many downloads you've had? Well, Libsyn does it all for you, actually. Yeah. So I just look at Libsyn and ask it. <laughs> <laughs> it provides you a dashboard that, that tells you exactly how many downloads you make. I mean, when, when you have other aggregators like uh, Stitcher and iHeartRadio, right. um, they only download once. Um, so you kind of have to log into the dashboard for things like Stitcher and iHeartRadio to see how many downloads you're getting for them. Uh, or through them, rather. I mean, for raw downloads out of iTunes and directly off your site uh, and through the RSS feed, you can pretty much tell through your host provider. Yeah, my one's a little bit different. It only tells me the amount of bandwidth per file that comes down. So then I have to take that total, find out what the average amount of the file that was downloaded was, and divide that into the total. And that gives me a rough idea. But there's there's no real clear-cut way to tell exactly how many people are listening. That's hard. You can get an indication, however, over time, that it is growing. And the whole community is growing. What are your thoughts on that, guys? Well, it's funny. I was just recently talking with uh, with Andy Wilson from the Incredulous po- Podcast, the uh, biannual Incredulous Podcast. <laughs> and uh, he was tell- telling me how many, you know, he was reflecting on how many uh, skeptical and atheist podcasts that he was aware of that had disappeared, that had gone the way of the dodo. Um, now, obviously, there's more and more podcasts constantly, but I also think that there's sort of a, a thinning of the herd in a sense, which is, I, I think, great for all of us, that the, the, the tends to be the, these lower quality podcasts that drop off. I think that all in all, the medium of podcasting is getting a hell of a lot better. And at the same time, it's getting a hell of a lot more bloated. When you're starting your podcast, go and have a listen to a show that you think is terrible. <laughs> this one, for example. Great advice. And write down what you don't like about it. And then go and listen to Noah's show, for example, or a show that you really do enjoy and write down what you like about it. I noticed that you didn't mention Jake's show. Though. Yeah, I noticed that too. Very loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually heard like him hesitate. I actually he heard him Noah's hesitate. Show he was like, Noah's show, show, and then there's a like. gap. <laughs> right. I'm sure it was lag, guys. I think. <laughs> promise you I said uh, imaginaryfriendsshow.com podcast. No, I couldn't. Even I couldn't make that sound ingenuous. <laughs> No, you, you are totally right, though. Hey, like when I started, there was another show called The Skeptic's Testament, which was uh, analyzing the Bible skeptically, I suppose. Uh, there was a, a, a theologian who was an atheist, former JW, that was going through his um, PhD in, or whatever it is, doctorate in theology or biblical studies, whatever it is at the time. And he his podcast was, the content was awesome, but the sound quality was abhorrent. Um, you know, there was even one or two episodes where it only recorded or it only played through the left channel. So he, oh he didn't uh, properly equalize the sound. He didn't properly uh, select mono, whatever, whatever it happened to be that screwed up that recording. It was just so awful. But again, the content was worth it, you know, so much so that I ended up dropping his, uh, his MP3s into GarageBand and, and, Fixing and creating an MP3 <laughs> with a mono file so that I could properly listen to it. It, it, it told me that if I were to release a podcast 
the first thing that I would do, the most important thing to me was not the content. <laughs> I knew I, I, I had a, enough people around me at the time that were going to help out with the content. The most important thing to me was the sound quality. So that was the first thing that we did. We made sure that we had good enough sound quality so as not to actively deter people from listening. There's definitely a floor that you've got to reach there. I, I do feel like a lot of people are a little too obsessed with that, but you definitely have to reach that minimal floor because, yeah, people just won't listen to it if the, if, you know, there's too much uh, scratchy static in the background, echo, yeah, echo et, cetera, et, cetera. et cetera. I say that knowing that right now with the microphone I'm recording, you're probably getting all kinds of static <laughs> yeah. and you might even be able to hear a train going by. I'm not sure. Damn condenser microphone. So if anyone would like to fix this episode of the Herd Mentality and resubmit it to me, I'd very much appreciate it. <laughs> Guys, any yeah, could you do better? <laughs> any final tips? Uh, well, there's one thing that I feel like we kind of glazed over, and I think it is the, in my opinion, most important uh, part of podcasting, and that is, you know, podcasts begin at conception. Um, and I feel like way too many people go into their podcast with either a very general idea of what they want to do or... Uh, the, a, a really a redundant idea of what they want to do. I think a good idea for a podcast should come at the end of a long, futile search for that podcast. You know, if you think to yourself, I want to hear a podcast where, you know, about X with Y and Z in it, and you can't find that podcast, odds are you're not the only person listening. The wrong, you know, thought that leads into a podcast, I feel like, is listening to a podcast and saying, well, I can do better than these assholes because somebody's already doing that. You know, they, maybe you can do nominally better than them, but they're already there. They got a head start on you. You know, the odds that you can do so much better than these people that you can start to really peel off the audience of an existing genre or even a, you know, a genre that has several uh, podcasts within it. Um, much lower. The odds that, you know, you have an idea for a podcast that you couldn't find personally that can f find some success much higher for you. So I think so much of it is in just the way that you, you know, d defining to yourself, what do you want to make your show about and what's going to separate it from other shows in your genre? Yeah. Other than the fact that you're just so damn funny, you know? Yeah. Anyone can take cognitive dissonances idea and make it better. And I set the <laughs> challenge knowing that Tom and Cecil just aren't here. <laughs> <laughs> Jake? I do not yeah. endorse that statement. I like <laughs> So do I. So do I. All too often we start off with, or all too often podcasts will start off with uh, that idea of, you know, I heard this, that sounded kind of good. I like these elements of that. I kind of think I can do a little bit better. They end up trying to to do a, a similar kind of thing and, uh, you know, it, it ends up coming out awfully. <laughs> Very awfully. And that, and that's pretty much what happened with my podcast, especially in the beginning. I started off with the intention of basically having a, a place where atheists in the local area could go to, you know, enjoy some, some commentary when perhaps it wasn't able to be had with the local social groups. You know, it's just one of those things that there are many people out there like me who came out of a religion and didn't have a great deal of friends outside of that religion where they could discuss things uh, not associated with that religion in a deeper kind of way. And that's kind of why I started the podcast. But then I, I moved away from that because I got bored, you know, with atheism in general, decided I, I'd move into more skepticism, you know, and, and now it's just this, you know, a broad sort of anything that's interesting, basically anything that's interesting interesting, scientifically relevant, any sort of discovery, uh, you know, foreign affairs, current affairs, anything basically we take. So after that long-winded diatribe, where can we Which find- Which really didn't make a great deal of sense, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> where can we find- your rubbish show. Uh, imaginaryfriendshow.com or iTunes. You literally only have to, if you go to iTunes, literally you only have to type the Ima. 
<laughs> That's how popular you are. Yeah, I know, right? And Noah. <laughs> well, for to find our shows, you simply need to go to uh, iTunes and type scat, <laughs> which uh, is probably a lot worse. Um, but uh, you can find us on iTunes, Scathing Atheist, or at scathingatheist.com. Excellent. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. And uh, our regards to yeah, Cecil. Look forward to doing some damage with you in the future. <laughs> thank you, sir. Take care.